Hey everybody, welcome to the Full Frame uh, Podcast. Can you just, oh. uh, just uh, take, stop and take it from the top one more time? Okay, okay. You ready? Hey everyone, Zach Griffin. Glad to be back on the Full Frame Podcast. For my first interview, I talked to all-around talented writer-producer Craig Williams and his partner, the amazingly talented actress and director, Rosalind Williams. Craig and Roz have been producing shorts and working in the industry since the early 2000s, and they've just given so much back to the filmmaking community in the way of mentoring and educating and just being great at what they do. Um, And it was a pleasure to talk to them. Make sure you stick around to the end of the conversation because some of my favorite bits of advice came very late in the conversation and it's just wisdom that we could all use. Uh, But without any further delay, here's my conversation with Craig and Roz Williams. Craig, Roz, how are you guys? Hey, Zach. Hello, Zach. It's wonderful being here in your guys' meeting space, apartment space, and production space. Yes, it's our home, home office. Our uh, lover's nest. <laughs> Where we raise our child. Sometimes. We, sometimes. No, we have to all the time. It's a 24-hour-a-day job, but I don't want to talk about that right now. No, we'll talk about some other things. <laughs> okay, please. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to have you guys on because I've known you for, I guess, four four years now? Is Could right? be, yeah. 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 So, um, and I've had a number of other film shoppers on, and so it's nice to to um, to actually have you on and chat because I feel like I know you, but also like I don't know like how you got your start. I don't know any of that stuff, and that's what I want to find out. Yay! That's awesome, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me, how did you guys get into film? So, um, uh, Rosalind is an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been an actor since she got out of Yale. Yale Drama School. And um, <laughs> she's very she's dramatic, if you cannot tell that. Um, she's an actress, full time. And we met in 1999. Um, I was uh, I had a friend who was a filmmaker, and he was making a... You already knew Jono? I did know Jono already. Jono Oliver, yes. amazing Jono filmmaker. Jono Oliver, amazing filmmaker. He directs on um, Law and & Order and Blue Bloods. Um, and Very he cool. was making a short film, and he asked me to come audition for this part. Nice. And so I went to the audition, and I was too young for the part. He's like, okay, you're too young. And I left the room, mm-hmm. and he came running after me. He said, you know what? I'm going to write a part for you because I really want you to be in my movie. Cool. I was like, all right, cool. And Roz, on the other side, was... I was auditioning for the role of a reporter, and um, I went to an audition at a backstage, which I don't normally do, but I was feeling bored, so I figured, why not go try to get a job? And um, I read for the reporter, and he said, no, why don't you read for the lead, even though it was a male? Mm-hmm. And I played the lead. You got it. <laughs> so as we like to say, uh, neither one of us was supposed to be in the movie uh-huh. because that's where we met. But oh. yet we were supposed to be in the movie of because course. that's how we met. He molded it so that you guys could meet. Exactly. <laughs> what was the film? It was called The Window. And okay. it went to Sundance. Yeah, Very it was cool. about a, um, a, a man in Brooklyn who saw the uh, image of Jesus in his bathroom window after a shower. <laughs> And so people like from it. the street could see 
you know, the picture, the mm-hmm. window, and then everybody was started. Then a crowd started coming, and then reporters started coming, and then I was a church member who came to pray over the window, mm-hmm. and Roz was um, a police off police officer who came to break it up, mm-hmm. and she and I ended up breaking the window. She ends up breaking the window. <laughs> Spoiler she, alert! Well, the movie's twenty years How old. Could you? So. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, very cool. So, yeah, so that's it. And it ended up uh, going to Sundance. Nice. And that was our first kind of uh, big date, too. Yeah. Because we went and... Um, uh, and yeah. you told me your life story on the plane. I did. I don't remember that. <laughs> he doesn't remember anything about our romance. <laughs> so you guys would say that your, your filmmaking Don't ever careers. get married. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Okay, that's just so you know. That's our fi- our favorite line from uh, Purple Rain. Okay, okay. You know, when Prince's dad is um, Prince is playing on the piano, and mm-hmm. Prince's dad comes downstairs and he sits on the uh, staircase, and he says, "Son, do you have a girlfriend?" And Prince is like, "Uh huh," and um, <laughs> and the dad has been beating the mother and everything. He said, uh, "You're gonna." Uh, he might. There's another line because I know there's another line in yeah. there. And then he says. Um, you going to get married? And he's like, I don't know, or whatever, something like that. And then he says, don't, don't ever, ever get, get married. married. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should have it like over your fireplace or something. Uh, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it fun is. to it's us. Great. It's funny to us. <laughs> um, so we met and then we um, started dating and then we got married. And at that time, there was a lot of digital production had just begun. Okay. Um, there were cameras. There, everything was switching from... Uh, film to video mm-hmm. or the beginnings of it. Yeah, and they had a video, no, uh, a feature film got into Sundance that was edited on iMovie. Oh, wow. So that was like. Well, no, f- that was a little bit before we met. Yeah. Because that was like 96. It was all around the same time. It was all around the same time. Where everything was switching over. Right. So um, we moved into an apartment together, and the next day after we moved in, she left for three months to go do a play in California. Mm-hmm. So it was just me by myself. And the cat. With a cat. And he was in love with I've me. I've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> I eventually got rid of the cat because I was allergic. <laughs> Gave it away. It's fine. Um, and <laughs> So right. you know. Yes. We're not cat people. Yeah. And so right. I um, <laughs> so I started writing. And I wrote. He wrote for me. I wrote a short movie for her. Cool. And then we thought it was so good, but we didn't want to mess it up. So was this your first foray into writing? Yes. Wow. While she was away, I took a class at School of Visual Arts for screenwriting. Okay. And I had a day job. I was a travel agent. I was a travel agent. So everything kind of went to hell. But that's what I was doing at the time. You were were doing research. Yes. (laughs) So I was a travel agent. I would... do that day job and mm-hmm. then spend a month traveling somewhere. And that's here. That's here in the city. Yeah, that was here in New York City. Okay. So, and th- at this time, you can get a temp job. Mm-hmm. I could go work for an agency for a couple of months, make some money. But you worked for the. Um, you did a lot of tours, and you worked for the Ricky Lake show. I did. You worked for um, all temp stuff. What was it? It was called. The Hockey League. Oh, that was later. Oh, that was sorry. later. Later, later. When I got, I was like trying a, to move it we'll forward. Get there. No, we'll, we'll get, get there. <laughs> so, um, so that was my day job while I would, you know, travel. And then I wrote this thing, and then we wanted to make it, but we mm. didn't want to mess it up. So we decided to make a practice film. Okay. And so Roz wrote, and so what we did also, the, all this is happening at once, and then we got married. And the, we, what we did with our wedding money was we bought a camera. 
Nice. Like a, it was a Canon. A Canon GL2. GL1. GL1. It was the small. It was the baby camera. It was the baby, yeah. Yeah, because it was a GL2 that was the big shoulder mount. Mm -hmm. And then there was a GL1 that was a little smaller digital camera. I remember the GL2. Yeah. Um, And so we bought that with our wedding money, and then we kind of started making practice films. Was the GL1 a a mini DV camera? Yes. Yes. Okay. We still got the tape. Yeah. We still have a whole drawer full of mini DV tapes. I still have, like, boxes. Yes, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so we made a couple of prac. We made one practice movie. She made one, and then we decided to make another one that she wrote um, and it was directed. Like the, it was a longer version. It was a featurette yes. of the practice movie. Yes. <laughs> How long was the like runtime on it? Oh my gosh! The first cut was fifty-three minutes of the practice of, of the practice yes. film of the practice short. So you film. guys like went all out on the practice. We did. Yeah, we went. We, we went, went too went far. All, we went too far. We yeah. raised money. But did you learn a lot on that? We oh, did. Yeah. It was film school. What were what were some of the best things you learned about? Okay, I learned how to edit. Okay. And um, movie. No, Final Cut Pro one. Hey, there you go. You don't even know about that. I know Final Cut Pro. Final Cut Pro 1. Okay, it's different than that's fine. This is the first version. Yeah. And this was so long ago. I think 5 is the one. Yeah. Okay, this is so long ago that the Apple store on Prince Street Mm -hmm. had just opened and they showed our film because they it was the first thing they showed in the upstairs theater Mm -hmm. on on Prince Street. And it was called, they had a series called Made on a Mac. Cool. And when our short film was one of the first ones that it the was first the one. first. It was the first one. So not the fifty-three minute one. No, no. no we ended up cutting. It was fifty-three minutes, mm-hmm. but it was bad. <laughs> there was like times. There was a scene with the therapist where I only had it in profile, master shot, mm-hmm. and then cutaways to all inanimate objects. So, so <laughs> it was so boring. <laughs> I didn't know how to move a camera. But experimental, I think it was. <laughs> but we, we raised money for it. We raised money by mail. So we, Interesting. we did a, a, this is before Kickstarter, this is before the internet, all that other stuff. So we sent letters, fundraising letters to family and friends, and we had to wait to get checks back. By and we mail. did get checks back. And we raised about twenty thousand dollars. That's great. Yeah, plus we had the money. Plus, we had the other money too. Yeah, plus we had some of our wedding money. Mm-hmm. And we made our first short film. That's great. So what was the end like runtime of that? And then thirty five minutes. It's about thirty five and it's it still too long. There was that the only place it screened? Oh, no. Did you guys do anything else with we it? We went to all the black film festivals and they were cool. just starting out. Yes. Yeah. So we it, got in a lot of festivals and we went it's and like traveled. All tape submissions and stuff. Yes. Yeah, all yes. tape submissions and we had T shirts made and that's cool. Red Wall Production so T shirts and we would go as a couple and we would We dress alike. <laughs> <laughs> Really annoying, but we that was that kind of became our brand. Yeah. Before we yeah. knew what a brand was, mm-hmm. it was our brand. We were the filmmaking couple. Yep. And then a cool. lot of these young or early film festivals were also being started by other young couples. Mm-hmm. Husband wife teams. Husband wife teams. Oh, cool. So we met a lot of them that we're still friends with today. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, because when you look at your website, it is clearly it's the the, the pair of you. Like, yes. You, yeah. And that's you know, upfront first yes. thing you see is you guys. Yes. But then. Um, it your filmmaking careers are really like linked from the beginning. Absolutely, absolutely. That's because cool. she became the director, and what I learned from that first um, endeavor was how to produce, how to okay. put together a team, how to decide who to hire, how to raise He's money. He's really good at that. So, um, what what were some of the lessons you learned on that first uh, like short? That on that first short, well, we, we had really good actors that we spent way too much money. Okay. Yeah. 
That was and we should have just gone ahead and made a feature. Yes. Where right did your then. where did the like superfluous spending come from? Well, we had so many locations, honey. Oh, okay. We would move locations in one day in New York City. Right. I mean, this was a major thing. I think we shot like how many days did we shoot? <laughs> We shot four days, and we had two company moves every day. Oh, my God. It was, it was crazy. Ridiculous. How long were your days? It was 12 hours. 12 hours. That's yeah. it? Yeah. How long were the moves? I mean, the moves were tough, though, but I we had really it. good actors. And, like, I didn't have a lot of blocking and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was my first time directing. So, it wasn't, there weren't too many shots in the scene. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and logistically, like we are one one day we shot on, on Riverside Park mm-hmm. on the west side of Manhattan. And then our next shoot was at the Carlisle Hotel on the east side of Central Park. Yeah. yeah and getting and across town at on, 4 p.m. On a Saturday, I think. it no, was. No, it was a weekday. Oh, okay. weekday rush hour moving. Yeah, it was terrible. 30 people across town yeah, and equipment. So. We were a big footprint, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And his mother was a caterer. So, but no AD though. <laughs> we had no. no. We didn't have an AD. Okay. No. We didn't have an AD. We okay. had nobody to tell us what <laughs> are you doing. Right. No. We just kind of did it. Which is funny because, like, I think like that's a bit of advice that's been said on a podcast before. Mm-hmm. Is like your first time film, you should get like yeah. get the AD. Yeah. And that became the thing that was most important to us as we kind of moved on. Um, we got into a bunch of film festivals, and then people started coming to us with advice. And so we had oh, cool. the best advice, which is, on your this is your first movie. Make sure that the locations are manageable. Keep it down to one, one or two. One location. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Because our second movie was but one location. Sometimes you don't know until you, don't know. you just make, you don't know. Yeah. You make the mistake. Yeah. Or you, you know. But we didn't have anybody to go to to figure that out. Yeah. And there were tons of characters. Yes. And remember, there was a whole office scene. Yes. There was a whole office. And like, I think one of the things was that we had a script that was longer than we ended up using. Mm-hmm. So we cut whole scenes. And look how much money we wasted. Exactly. Whole characters and scenes, scenes locations cut. cut. Mm-hmm. So, so you're learning like actively as a screenwriter too, like. Maybe I don't need this. Or exactly. It's how to economize, how to economize your scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need as many uh, actors as you think you need. You can mm-hmm. tell the story actually stronger with fewer actors. I was so clear on the story. I was just, you know, I was used to plays and I was used to thinking sort of um, just outside the box. Like I could do anything. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. But we got it done, and it actually was successful with all that was going on, with all the things that didn't work and went wrong, and it was too long. We had good actors. We had great actors, and it was a fun story, and it did really well. It went to 30 or 40 film festivals And people really responded to it. Like, it would start off discussions, and, you know, you'd be talking longer than the film was. (laughs) My family sponsored screenings and mm -hmm. stuff, and we won prizes. It was great. That's cool. So then what did you say? So you guys kind of use this to like leapfrog to the next thing? Absolutely. What so was the next thing? The next thing was a short film that I wrote. The first one she wrote. The next one I wrote. Mm-hmm. And it was in one location. It was in the apartment that we lived in. Mm-hmm. So I imagined uh, because our, the apartment that we were living in at the time had all these different colored walls. So it's like, okay, why would a person living here have all these different colored walls? Mm-hmm. And I surmised that she was a divorcee. She moved in, and her ex-husband only liked beige. 
So she moved into a new apartment. The first thing she started to do paint was paint it. every single wall. I like wall. that. Yep. And it was called Allergic to Nuts. And she was throwing her first dinner party as a divorced woman. And we had such good actors. Um, some of my professional friends, like Vanessa Williams, who was on Soul Food at the time, came in and shot. And Yolanda Ross, who's now on The Chai. This was, cool. It was her second film. Yeah. We had such good actors. Yeah. It's crazy. And that's one of the things we were able to take advantage of because mm-hmm. Roz was a professional actor. She knew a lot of actors. So mm-hmm. like getting talent was really easy. They're, you know, Especially black actors, they wanted to work. Yeah. And they wanted to do stuff. And they were so excited that I was directing. They were just so supportive. I had so much support. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. What were some directing lessons that you were learning along the way? Oh, my gosh. Directing was so challenging for me because acting is so much easier. You think so? (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. It's It's a different set of work, I think, right? Honey, or, okay. when I'm acting, I'm me. on vacay. No. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> you just don't have as much on your plate. Sure. You know, so, you, you know, things are going wrong and your feet are up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, let me know when you're ready. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just totally different than having the endurance, the mental endurance to work for 12 hours, to communicate for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, the first on Driving Fish was really challenging because my my DP, we had a producer, Mark Hammond, and my DP, who he hired, um, I didn't have a good communication with. On Driving Fish, we had Nara Garber. No, uh, allergic to nuts, we had Oh, Nara. yeah. On, uh, so on our second uh, film. film, we hired a DP that we liked. And that, and that we knew. With, that we knew. That's good. And that changed a lot. Mm-hmm. So now I was much more in the driver's seat. And, um, but here's the thing. I had made Allergic to Nuts with an all-white cast as a practice film Mm. before I made it with the all-black cast, the one that everybody knows. So there are two versions of it. Okay, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. I have questions. Yeah, Yeah. so in between, but after Driving Fish, when... When things started to happen and people started to ask us, what happened was because we had so many connections to actors, they started asking us to create scenes for them. So we started creating short films for actors and we had. So like real companies that do this that are like real companies. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Okay, so something like So we like were like that. the first. This is way before way yeah, any yeah. of them. We were way <laughs> early. So yeah, so we, we had, had the classes actors. where we taught where we're, the end result and they was. Put and they put in some money, and right. we used the money to, to make a film, and we ate off that money, too. That's great. Because we would be able to make these sort of practice films, short films. I would write it. You know, yeah. it would, depending on how many actors, there were three actors, four actors, five actors. They would all pool their money. We would, That's crazy. We would get money off of that, be able to also put into production, hire a DP, mm-hmm. hire whomever we needed to hire. And then we would shoot it, and then they would get the footage, and then we would have And then we had, at film. the end of that... We had a film festival ourselves mm-hmm. and gave awards. Oh, cool. And they loved it. And I had my agents look at all the films oh. to pick the winning actors. And um, I'm not going to lie. There were some actors who felt so empowered yes. and really felt launched mm-hmm. by that experience. Absolutely. That's great. Because it was and the, a way and that for, we were editing, too. Yeah, we were editing. editing. I was ourselves. learning editing. Final Cut 2 by then. Yeah. Yes. Um, and uh, and we I were, edit, too. We were, yes. And mm-hmm. we were learning how to do this on our own dime. We were learning everything. We were learning everything. Producing, mm-hmm. organizing, um, casting. We became huge 
casting directors sort of mm-hmm. by proxy just because people started to hear about us and they would want to uh can you just put us on your email list for the next time you have a casting so at some point we had 15,000 New York actors on an email wow. list and that was the only way a lot of actors could have act- access to uh, any kind of production that was going on and then mm-hmm. other filmmakers started to ask us can you help me cast yeah so then, then we got grew. to make like black sorority project yes. i mean we got to make we got other opportunities from all of that so that was really cool were you guys finding yourselves in like as producers on these other projects or just like in producers cer- producers. producers producer producer and director and writer because i wrote a lot of them mm-hmm. and that was cool. the way yeah, that he wrote I, them all. I learned I, I wrote them all that was the way we could practice like a three-page scene. Uh-huh. Let's get in, get out, tell the story, and move it along. Cool. And we had some longer ones, too. Yes. Remember uh, Layla's Morning? Yes. <laughs> it was 45 minutes. For, for that one for... she wrote. No, oh. that was a practice. Was it one location, different, no. like, no. couple actors? No. Okay. Nope. When I wrote, <laughs> they were the... Con- it was the, economical. Yes. <laughs> Mine were When epic. she wrote, <laughs> it was... A bigger story. Sure. Yeah, she and had a I, lot to say. And what I would do is, like, the it's main, not a bad thing. The main yeah. part would be, like, in our apartment. But then I'd have, like, uh, like that character, she had, a, um, she had to go to the hospital for a while. So I'd just take the actress out to a hospital and steal the shots. Yeah, we learned how to steal shots, yeah. too. <laughs> of we course. Would, we would go yeah. into a Dwayne Reed. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that was hilarious. And start shooting. And then... Wait until they kick you out? They, they, they here's didn't. the thing. They wouldn't <laughs> kick us out. They would actually, the, the employees would come up to us and say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be in your way. Oh. <laughs> 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 You're like, well, yeah, we're, we're there we're for hours. everything we're in Dwayne Reed. Yes, yeah. we did. I mean, again, you know, I'm sure they get a lot more traffic now. Yeah. Um, but then this was, you know, years ago. This so they so weren't used to filmmakers ago. coming in right. and, you know, guerrilla style, which mm-hmm. we did a lot of. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. So, so okay. So, I wanted I wanted to ask a question about the um, white actor version of this mm-hmm. film. Uh-huh. Yes. So, w- was it a feature? No. Okay. So it's a short. It was a short. So that was the first question I had because if it was a feature, I can't imagine that you writing short scenes for different actors as the same characters pieced together. No lines like changed. Okay. So nothing like that. Mm-mm. So um, <clears throat> in the edit. In writing, n- nothing changed. Like, nothing changed. So it was like same shot set up. Everything. That's how. That's how come <clears throat> I was able to be successful mm-hmm. over the weekend because I had actors who were on TV shows come in, and I also had a newcomer because I love to mix like really experienced actors with mm. newcomer, and I also love to give a theater actor like their first, like a theater actor that I yeah, love camera gig. An, a camera gig. So I had all that mix is an ensemble. And because we knew the story, it was a 24-page script, which was way too long. Mm. But we shot 11 it two pages days. a day. <laughs> wow. But I knew all the shots. I knew what would work. I knew how it edited together. And that's what I was going to ask is because as an editor, um, I imagine that like after I cut something, I would go, if I need to reshoot this, I know exactly what portions for so much which easier. shot, et cetera, yes. et cetera. Yes, yes. So... Did any shots just get wholesale cut? Like you didn't shoot it's them very, again? Or? They're very similar, the yeah. two, because it's a, it, it's also a comedy, mm-hmm. and um, so the, for timing, it has yes, to, timing, yes. and there's also a thing where all the characters are together, mm. and it's a small apartment, and this like mayhem is breaking loose. Somebody gets locked in the bathroom, and it's just like a whole bunch of stuff happens in that 
in that little bit of time. So we knew for sure. Like I knew the timing of some things and reactions and like that kind of stuff. Yeah, she had worked cool. all that out in our practice film. Mm-hmm. How was it directing people the same, like with the same material? Well, when I had the professional actors, um, it was so much easier because I already had the language. Mm-hmm. And since I was a pretty new director, I, I would get frustrated, you know, like by the end of the day, I'd cry. Yeah. And so I know it's bad. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just gets, you just get so mentally tired and frustrated. Yeah. And that's been something that I definitely had to work on. Because as an actor, you go and sit down, you just have so many breaks. And just to be that on, you know, from the time you wake up to the, through the last shot. And everybody's looking at you. It's taxing. Yes. Especially mm. when you have so many actors. Yeah. Um, so that, it just got and tiring. And no Huh? And no ADs. And no ADs. No, no we, we did, did have an AD. We had okay. my yes, nephew. We did have an ID. No, well, no, we had my <laughs> little cousin who was like just a little kid. Yeah. He, he was, was on sound. Yeah. <laughs> even, even if it's just somebody going, you be here. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, it's we so didn't really much. have. I think I, don't I think was we that really person. Ha- yeah, he was AD. I was I, we AD. didn't really have AD yeah. Yeah. until mm-hmm. later. Until later. We had. But we did have more crew members because remember we had Sanjay. Yes. That was um, we had Sanjay and Nara. So instead of just having one person on camera, we had somebody on lights and camera, mm-hmm. and we had two people on. And sound. we're and we're learning. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we didn't have film school training, so we're also learning the elements that we need. So from first production to the second production, we're learning what we need, what we don't need, what's important, what's not important, because that's also what I'm learning as a producer. Mm -hmm. Like how the set should be, how the atmosphere should be, how we should take care of everybody, how we should, even though it wasn't a union set, I wanted to run it like a union set. Yeah, we learned that because I took, um, Craig would always let me take little classes and stuff, and I took um, Dove Simmons Hollywood, what was it called? Hollywood Film School. Mm. And it was like, a weekend he was class, huge. Yeah, Dove Simmons, and yeah, it comes on. Huge. It came out on like tapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you could go and he was kind of like the Robert McKee of film school mm-hmm. at that time. Like everybody, Will Smith, um, uh, Michael Tarantino, Jackson, everybody took this. Everybody class. was taking this class, and it was like this filmmaker hack to take a weekend class and learn how to make a film, mm-hmm. learn how to make a feature really film, cheap, a make a film, and not pay anybody. That was his mm-hmm. motto. And he, but, he, but he had this big thing about you must feed your crew. If yes. you can't feed your crew, that. Yes. yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it was really like so we learned a lot from that. I learned a lot because I was already an actor and I had been on sets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so we were really committed from the beginning. To, we always paid our actors, always, always, and um, we always paid everybody on crew except for family. And <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're there because they love you. Exactly. Yes. 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 Yeah. So <laughs> So we learned those things that, that were important to just show respect to, to your treat cast people and crew well. And yeah. treat them well. So pay them even if it's a little even if 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 it's fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. if you show up you're gonna get paid something. Yeah. And they love it. And some people would give the money back. You know, and it was overwhelming. People were so good to us, so supportive of us when we were a young company. So, so while this is going on, um, you guys are, are developing your brand, your company, um, and you're making your own films. Uh, are you still pursuing acting, and are you still are you starting to just do writing on your own for? You know, to submit, to try and yeah. sell. To, uh, he didn't stay being a travel agent very long because 9-11 came. Mm. 
And so travel industry just went away. It dried up like that. It just like it was so gone. So by that time, by driving, by the, our first movie, Driving Fish, I was uh, uh, working for the NHL, ha- handling, and I didn't play hockey. I'd <laughs> never been to a hockey game. But I handled the travel for all, all the National Hockey League. Hmm. So I had my own office. Wow. And at this time. That was when 9-11 came. Yeah. We had, um, the, we had final draft. Um, the screenwriting software, right. and it was on a CD. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't in the cloud. You had to carry the CD with you and then put the CD in the drive in order for to your scripts writing. to come you up. You don't even know about this kind of stuff. So. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I've been into writing so long. Okay. Oh, okay. The, right. first, um, the first uh, screenwriting software I had was like somebody gave me their old copy of Final yeah. Draft. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I, I had it on yeah. um, like just, it's the only, it stayed in my like, you know, computer I built from spare parts. Yes, and, right. So that's what I was doing. I was taking it to the office, closing my door, and writing all day. That's because great. I had my own office. So you weren't like totally swamped with booking. It was the easiest thing in the world. I'd been He's doing so it for a long good. time, so, so I could boom, boom, that. boom, knock it out. The problem was, is then I would leave the office to go do shoots mm-hmm. or go do productions but because I was in my own office sometimes they didn't miss me and then sooner or later they started to miss me and started to get complaints because I wasn't in my office so I came in one day they were like okay you have to go they're like <laughs> where's Johnny <laughs> <laughs> so I lost that job but again we're st- it's 9-11 had passed and they had the travel ag- travel ag- the, tra- <laughs> the travel business had sort of um, this is shrunk writing its signature right Yes, no, this signature wasn't even there signature. yet. So then I would get part-time, I would get be able to get uh, travel jobs working from home. Okay. So then I could do that from home, and then our son was born. So I could be at home working a travel job and still be able to sit and write and produce and cast, and that's yeah, also so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. So. We did that until there was no more travel. Yes. And then we had to eat what we killed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was just between... Acting and what we did under a production company. And that so was she's it. still, you know. Yeah, how, are, how is acting, uh, the prospects of that going? Well, you know, I am a Broadway actress. <laughs> she's so. being, she's, you know, being uh, well, an yeah. actor right now. But yeah, she's a Broadway and film actor. So she's been on Broadway. She's done Broadway plays. She's mm-hmm. been in major motion pictures. She's acted with Meryl Streep and Halle Berry. So Sam there was Jackson, work. Angela Bassett, Viola Davis. <laughs> Everybody I've acted with has an award. <laughs> so <laughs> so that me, was though. part of it. And then also, Yet. yes. And then we were uh, having classes here. We were having, uh, we were still making our little mm-hmm. uh, short films our for actors, films. our practice films, mm-hmm. um, creating reels from scratch that I would write for other actors. So that was also a source of income. And I would always coach. I could always coach, make up a class. I'm also consider myself an educator, so it's we, not a skill set everybody has. No, so. but I'm ah. my parents are educators. Mm-hmm. I really am an educator for reals, <laughs> and um and I love school. So all of this was it, we just did everything. Yes, and all it was hard to time. it was actually hard to knit it together. Hmm. Like, but um yeah, so I would do you know I always get a couple of movies a year. I always get a couple of plays enough to keep us in health insurance before Obamacare. That's good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's and it sounds like it's mostly just like at some point you have to sit down and do the work, you know, like and and that's like the lesson that everybody kind of 
gets to eventually on on the podcast mm-hmm. yes. is just you know there's no substitute for you just sitting down at the computer and doing yes doing the thing. Nope. But we also had to had to decide at what point. Okay, we're kind of doing this and it's been very organic and and a little bit chaotic, mm-hmm. and we had to sort of sit down and decide. Okay, all right, what are we doing? And what do we want from this? Because it's really just whatever came in the door, we did. When did that conversation happen? Oh, it was a, we were in business a lot of years. Yeah, we went to see a business coach. So maybe seven or eight years yeah. ago. Okay. We decided okay because then Let's what happens is down. when you're making projects that you aren't proud of, when you're sure. making films that stink. When we you're said working no more short films that we don't love. Who aren't ready. Because we were just working with anybody who would pay us. Yes. And we decided to stop that. None of no more. It didn't back. serve us. It yeah, because we couldn't us. show it anywhere yeah. right. if we didn't like it. And so we went to a business coach and she looked at our website. She said she was like, Okay, you to do a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you do everything. Yeah. What do you want to do? What do you like doing the most? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I like producing and I like writing. Mm-hmm. And she loved directing, and she loved teaching. Mm-hmm. So she she envisioned, she, she mapped out for us. She said, okay, imagine your company is a funnel. And down here at the end of it, you want to make films mm-hmm. at, the, at the bottom of this funnel. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to do anything that goes in that funnel that's not going to lead you to this. Interesting. So we got rid of a whole bunch of other just whatever thing came down and we said no to things yeah we started saying no which is really it's scary yeah i bet it's scary to kind of say okay yeah i can't do that i can't work with you on this Mm -hmm. that's i stopped going to any kind of commercial auditions anything commercial industrial Mm -hmm. i wiped that out i also only do plays if i like the play if it's in new york and i like it so it it got to like one play a year and i could pretty much do any film and television one play a year is still pretty good if it's something you're looking for that's liking. Yeah, I had to. I have to want to do it. You know. So then all of a sudden I had a standard. So then that like cleared it out. That left room for me to develop. That's great. As an artist. And it also changes the projects that come to you because now you're saying no to things. You're leaving yourself open for something else to come to you mm-hmm. that is in line with who you are and the kind of story that you want to tell. Was there anything like writing on the wall? Was there anything before that decision was made that you were like, you know, I wish we had been free for that? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, because there's so much going on, you don't know what you're missing. Sure. And because we live in our own little bubble, you know, we were only we only had access to the stuff we knew we had access to. Right. I think we missed a lot because we were just so nose to the grindstone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the thing that I wish that we had been open to is how to make a feature film earlier. Okay. Yeah, we should have made a feature earlier. We were so, we didn't think we were ready. And we didn't think we were worthy of making a feature film. We sure. thought it would be too much money. It's too daunting. It's, yeah. you know, people And we go saw broke. other people making features and getting more opportunities. And we just held ourselves back. Hmm. Which was dumb. And so, have you made a feature at this point, or is Hanging by a Thread your first feature? It's our first narrative feature. Okay. Together. Together. We've, I mean, he has, you know, edited, produced um, documentary features. Mm-hmm. And I co wrote a feature film that was released last year. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, we have been involved, obviously, in features, but none but something you would call that was your, our your project, yes. where okay. it was produced yeah. by Redwall, written by Redwall, directed by Redwall. Mm-hmm. 
And so this one, Hanging by a Thread. How did, yes. how did this one come about? Tell me about so it. So this one, Hanging by a Thread, is um, a feature that comes from me. Uh, my brother is bipolar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been sort of the great tragedy of my life that we're not closer. But his mental illness has been a problem. And I know that sounds a little wonky, but, you know, I'm kind of trying to get right with the language of having a brother who's mentally ill mm-hmm. and he doesn't believe in taking medication. Okay. So I had to turn all that pain into something. And I've been trying to tell this story for five years, maybe even longer. The first version came out as a romantic comedy and it didn't feel right. Mm. Um, so I kept writing and I kept writing. And now it's a feature called Hanging by a Thread. And it's about a man who suffers from bipolar disorder who doesn't believe in taking medication. And he discovers that his 11-year-old nephew has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm. So he kidnaps him to show him a life free of pills. Interesting. So that was a story that is, you know, me writing and writing and figuring out what the story I wanted to tell and really sort of talking about a story that supports families who have to deal with mental illness or people who have families, you know, someone in their family, because it's a familiar problem. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have to find out whether or not we can have that person in our lives, whether how we make room for them, how we work with them or not. And it, it, and I've discovered that it's a big deal for people. I mean, it always has been. Whether your sister or your mother or your child, we have friends whose children have mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal. And it's something that I wanted to talk about, having grown up with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it being a sort of a sore thumb for me that, you know, I don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And I wanted to find a way to deal with it. And this is and what I came up with. The... <clears throat> the language surrounding bipolar disorder has changed recently? It has. It really has. It, it changed from when we were certainly growing up. Mm-hmm. There was no therapy. There was very little medication. There was very little understanding, especially in the black community. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, well, that's just the way he is. And, well, you know, well, he can pray it away. We got a lot of that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so now with this new generation, you know, my son's friends... They all our friends' parents have a way to deal with it. There's medication, there's mm-hmm. um, therapy, there's all kinds of ways to address the situation. And there's a awareness. It's awareness. Yeah. And, and there's less less stigma, more compassion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So parents feel less isolated about it. Because, you know, we have friends who are really in it, but they can talk about it and they can share it and they can post it on Facebook and right. whatever it is so that they're not isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. So this is my attempt to sort of keep talk about this issue in a way that felt healthy but also entertaining. Okay. So how has that writing pro- – from a normal sort of writing process for you, how has it changed to this feature at all or has it? Um, the, the writing process for me was figuring out how to tell the story mm-hmm. and that's where uh, Film Shop came in, which is how we met. Yeah. I had uh, a place to say, okay, here's my story, here's my problem, here's where I'm stuck mm-hmm. and then present an outline or present a draft and I get notes and then get encouragement and get support mm-hmm. and then week by week make these sort of goals, which is the the essence of Film Shop. And then little by little, I started to figure out the story. And Mm -hmm. little by little, I started to figure out the characters. You know, the main character, of course, was me. 
mm-hmm. but because it was me, it was too close to me, and I couldn't really see it because it was about me and my brother. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out a way to tell this story that was about me and not make it about me. Yeah. And, and having that kind of access to uh, filmmakers who could weren't, weren't in my situation mm-hmm. and could see it outside of myself, but also having Rosalind, um, who's my best and biggest supporter as an editor and a reader, and she always has great notes, and she really knows how to tell story well. Yeah, and um, I was going to ask, like, what's your guys' working relationship in regard to you writing and you directing, and how does that... Where, where, where do you guys pass the baton? Well... Um, (laughs) first of all, Craig's writing has gotten so good in the past 18 years. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I can hear him. Sometimes I hear him coaching some, another writer and, or I hear him in a session. I'll be like, where did he learn that? (laughs) I mean, I'm just so surprised. It's like, he's just grown so much. He's, it's, it's amazing. Everybody loves him as a writer. He's really good. And he was, (laughs) You've, and he given, was, you've given me great advice for, for my writing. So. Yeah. And he was really good naturally from the beginning, but then he's also studied a tremendous mm-hmm. amount. So we're starting with like sort of organic, good foundation. Mm-hmm. And I also have a super high standard because, like I said, I came from Broadway. I came from like August Wilson um, was somebody that I worked with that I knew. And so mm-hmm. I'm used to like that sort of new play process. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, watching plays grow from that organic place, like that's how I think things should be done. So I have an incredibly high standard, and that's how I think stories are born. So I take it super serious. I probably take characters more serious than I take life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You're in the right industry, though. Yes, yeah. I will fight tooth and nail for a character. Yes. And I will, like, I'm like, take your work seriously. Don't take yourself seriously, you know? Mm. So I really, really, really care about telling stories. And um, I think, so then when I'm approaching Craig, telling uh, a story for Craig or or really anybody, I'm just all in. So um, my my directing process at first was like super organic. And, um, but then, you know, everything that I saw that I wasn't good at, I sort of, um, I studied. Like, like what, how, how has it changed from being organic and define organic? Okay, organic means I would work on the acting mm-hmm. and basically use the camera almost like I was shooting a soap opera where I just do a master over the shoulder, over the shoulder, mm. and that was it. And there was like no concept. Um, and I would do inserts, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And um, I would depend on the acting always. Mm-hmm. And I just love faces, and I love actors, and I, I just love people. So that was enough for me. And there used to be, remember that company, Indigent? Not not really. Uh, well, there, there, there is a certain um, style of filmmaking that sort of independent filmmaking that would support that. Mm-hmm. But also, you could see that really sophisticated films, like great directors, they use the camera and they use the sound as another level of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I wasn't doing. So I really needed to branch out. And so I started making, we started making better short films. You know, and um, we started making films for other people where we like we did one film where we did the whole film in one shot. 
Cool. Where we, um, yeah, it was really good. And um, and we did, we got a great sound mix on that one. Mm-hmm. You know, we let the sound mix tell a story. So then we started using our short films to grow as artists and um, and just have more tools. And learning how to collaborate. Because mm-hmm. when yeah. you hire somebody, you want them to bring who they are and what they know and their skill set. So hiring somebody, which is my job, and then figuring out, okay, if I'm hiring this person as a DP, do they want to direct? Hmm. Then this isn't the right project for you because I don't need somebody, you know, second guessing Rosalind. Mm-hmm. So, and that's across almost every um, uh, department because you can have the first AD mm-hmm. who wants to be a director. You can have the costume designer <laughs> who wants to be a director. So I had to be really clear about, okay, this is your job. This is what you're doing. Rosalind has the final say. Mm -hmm. And so, and there's a little, you know, because film is still predominantly male, predominantly white, sometimes, you know, there would be a little, you know, pushback because they weren't used to taking direction from a woman. Interesting. And I would have to say to Rosalind, and she would take it personally. Like if somebody Mm -hmm. didn't like her or somebody, she was having a problem, I would be like, bump them yeah you are the boss right you go in there yes and if you have to be a bitch be a bitch don't worry about it if they don't like you we're only on this that are supposed to be there will be there exactly so then it became my job to sort of how do i interview a person as a producer Mm -hmm. and figure out what their agenda is and who they are and what is their big picture in life Mm -hmm. because lots of us are hyphenates so we may be an AD and an editor and all those other things, right? Yeah. And that's absolutely valid. But when you come to a project, when somebody else's project, you have to come to do the job that you're hired for. Absolutely. And, and that's in, it. And in service. To in and in service, service of yeah. the project. In yeah. service. Like, I come as an actor in service of the story. Right. Yes. You know? And I think we all come in service of the story. In mm-hmm. the service of... And a... And a Film is always a new play. And and I got an interesting bit mm-hmm. of advice recently that was mm-hmm. cast, or or rather hire your crew as diligently as you would hire your cast. Absolutely. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're getting at. It's just yes. this that's kind of... That's what I learned. Like, it's that, you know, it's that gut. Yeah, it's the He's questions so to answer. People. It's that's listening great. for how people are answering the questions. Um, and it's, I, yeah, and it's a gut thing. I don't think that's something can be taught. You can't. You, you have know, to you just, just hear have it. To, He's so good at hiring That's people. That's great. And then your set is harmonious because everybody's there in service of the project, mm-hmm. in service of the director. What does Roz need? How do, how do I help Roz? And that's all I want to hear because if they're doing that, then I get less flack. Yeah. But also, <laughs> you're, you're there at 4 a.m. and you're going, we need another half hour, and they're not the right. people that are out the door. Exactly. Oh, no. We, first yeah. of all, We've we never, never shoot that. that long. We don't. Because <laughs> we never, ever shoot that long. Because also, we just... We, I mean, we've gotten good. We always plan our day well. Yes. And, I mean, we never do 11 pages anymore, that kind of stuff. No, we don't. Yeah, we don't do Why that not? crazy. Because <laughs> we don't do that crazy stuff anymore. Yeah, I mean, right. we learn the hard way. It's yeah. like, it's sure. not worth it. It's not going to give you it doesn't the product get, that you You get want. less back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have to, if you're the person coming to us with the budget, or okay, that's not going to cover your three-day shoot. So maybe you need to wait three more months, do a Kickstarter campaign, or, mm. or call an years. uncle, or wait. We've had people wait years to raise the right amount of money to do the project that they wanted to do the way that it needed to be done. Yeah, yeah and it's worth it. And it's like we have no problem with that. If you come back five years later, 
it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And if you're in the rush, then we're not the people for you. Mm-mm. Because you're not. Because we're not making any yeah, sucky we're not gonna films. Make it, and, you're not gonna, <laughs> and you're just going to be mad at us at the end of it. Yeah. yeah. We've learned that. You're going to blame us because it, something didn't happen right or this went wrong. And we don't need that heartache anymore. Mm-hmm. No, we don't need that stress. So what lessons, now that you guys are in prep for this feature, yes. what are like... I mean, I, hiring the cast and crew that way and all these kinds of things. But what other lessons have you guys really like are ever present in your mind getting ready to make the feature? I feel so ready, but I'm making the entire film on paper, which is so annoying. <laughs> and even though, like, because I'm sort of like a self-taught director, I mean, I've done a ton of directing workshops and stuff. I have done... Sometimes I work with, I've worked with a lot of different DPs. And that's like the advantage of making a lot of short films is that I've also had a chance to try out different people. I have my favorites and stuff. And, um, you know, sometimes I make a very detailed shot list and they don't read it. And sometimes, you know, uh, but this time I'm doing the entire film on paper and I'm also doing the concept myself which usually I don't do mm-hmm. um, usually I meet with the DP and we do the concept together okay. so I'm doing the visual concept um, that means like color palette and the color palette kind of and, and the moving of the camera and okay. why the camera moves you know so that um, like normally the concept of, of, of how we're going to approach the film is something that the DP suggests, and I say, yeah, that sounds good. And then, <laughs> and I'm really, so, like, and I get on board with that. Mm-hmm. And this time, I'm coming up with that myself. So hopefully it'll work. No, well, it will work, because she has the experience. But also, and, if it's motivated by character, oh, which is what you're really, like, locked into, then I think that that's totally... It's so funny, because once you... You know, I've been using Legos and dolls and drawn images, and it really feels like you've directed the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, you really feel like you have already done that scene. It's like, oh, no, we haven't done the scene. We don't have actors. <laughs> you know, but you right. feel so involved in each beat and each moment. And that also helps me in the moment, like, find a problem in the script. Mm. I'm like, Craig, you have to change this. Of course, he doesn't do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it till we get some money, which is my part, you know, is <laughs> as the as producer, you know, taking on the task of raising money, mm-hmm. um, which we've raised little bits here and there. We've done small uh, crowdfunding campaigns, but this is a big budget, a bigger, the biggest budget. Right. And so um, I had I spent a year um, figuring out, number one, doing the whole lookbook thing and looking at examples and talking to friends who had been through it and just what what did they mess up what do they wish they'd done right and getting all that information and taking it in and then coming up with a lookbook and then bringing it to film shop and mm-hmm. having them look at it and say is this right and then also reaching out to cast and uh producers and just kind of gathering all that stuff for my lookbook then my next uh task as a producer was to uh make a business plan mm-hmm. and somebody told me that i didn't need a business plan Okay, I sort of, you know, let that go because, again, not everybody's going to have the kind of information that you need. So I felt like I needed a business plan. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I know now, having done the business plan, is that it helped me learn my film 
but not from the inside, but from the outside, from what a person seeing it would know or mm. would get from it. So me telling the story as a writer, I'm in it. I'm in the story. I've been working it for years. I know it intimately. Mm-hmm. And then I could just kind of go on and on and on about it. And, I, and people don't need that. They don't care about that. They want to know, okay, what is it about? How is it going to make me money? Yeah. And that's what the lookbook and the business plan taught me. It taught me my film from a business perspective so that I could talk. I could sit in a uh, meeting with a foundation and not ramble on and on about, well, and then he went here, and then this happened. and it's, it's <laughs> People don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. So um, I hired somebody to help me with the business plan, okay, which was great, and she was great. But I also learned it as I was going. So it wasn't just sort of this abstract thing, it's done, and now give it to me. Mm -hmm. We went back and forth. She taught me a lot. She was awesome. But then I also had another uh, resource who was vice president of Bank of America, Hmm. who I also went to for help. And he said, this business plan is awesome. And I was able to talk to him and make changes because not only had I been working with this person, but now I understand what the thing is and what it's supposed to do. Okay. So now I can tell a story. I can go into an investor meeting and speak investor talk mm-hmm. and not just screenwriter, filmmaker talk, all mushy-wushy. It's important <laughs> that they know that the story's for me yeah. and I always start there yeah. because they need to know why we're doing it and why we want to do it because mm-hmm. that's how you sell a movie. We sell it because we're doing it. We're husband and wife. We are a team. We are passionate about storytelling. We're passionate and excited about this story and now here's how it's going to make your money back. Mm. Wow. So, 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 have you done a business plan at all before? For no, a short, never. for a, okay, never, never. We just we we would do. I mean, and our budgets weren't even that detailed because we okay. had done it so many times. Yeah, I know we need these nine departments right. for a short film. It's the kind of thing I can do in my sleep now. So I know <laughs> we need this guy, this person, this person, that department. Um, depending again on the script and what it needs, I can read it and figure it out and know what we need, and I'm. Cool. We used to do reverse budgets. We remember? do reverse budgets. How much you got? How much you got? Okay. What you got? <laughs> yeah. I got What's $7, your budget? $7,000, all right? We're going to make a $7,000 short film. Yeah. All right. We know who you can work with. Yes. And, you know. and we had different levels of yeah. DPs and different levels of costume designers. Yeah. And then we would say, That's okay, great. you can't really afford a full-time costume designer, but we can hire this person who's mm. going to go to somebody's house and help them organize their mm. clothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then we're going to hire a wardrobe person. And my for secret a... weapon was theater because yes. I'm an actor. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would get people who had never worked on film but were great in theater and wanted to. All right. So it would be a costume designer at a theater and they wanted to, you know, do some film stuff. So they would do it That's for great. cheaper and they had awesome And they would have access, access to the costume collection. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so that's how we did it. That's how we got amazing designs and costume designers like and corsets and you know. And the same thing for pr- production designers. You know, mm-hmm. you go to somebody who's working at a theater who's building sets. Well, they want to do movies too, mm-hmm. and so we go to them to be our production designer, so they know where to get cheap, you know, fabric to drape a set or how to and buy they a work vase hard or yeah. how to hang a picture. <laughs> yeah. You know, all that stuff need the details yeah. that you would be on a set that somebody might not see from far away. Mm-hmm. We're going to be like, okay, you can't just sort of fudge that. 
and it has to be real because we're going to need close-ups on it. When you don't know bad production design, like you don't know what good production design is until you've seen like bad production design. Exactly. <laughs> that's a you know, make or break. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. going on here? Yes, Something's exactly. off. And so that's <clears throat> some of the lesson that we've learned that we pass on to people and that we mm-hmm. use for all of our projects. Oh, so yeah. Do you guys like have your team ready to go for the feature? Um, what stage are you guys at now? We're at the raising money stage. We okay. have, in our lookbook, we have, uh, listen, here's the thing about a lookbook also that's really important for people to understand is that it is, my lookbook has the producer, our executive producer is Viola Davis. Um, we have and our- And Julius Tenen. And Julius Tenen, who's her husband there. Husband and wife team too. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really get each other and, and Roz and Viola have known each other for a very long time since they were 18 years old. Her name, the production of the, the name of the production company is VD. Ju- Juvie. Not, no, so not that's VD. her email. <laughs> I, I was going to say, that's not a great no, idea. It's Juvie Productions, Julius and Viola. Yeah. He calls her V, so Juvie. Cool. Juvie. So yeah. in our lookbook is our um, ideal cast. Our ideal cast. So one person we have attached. Um, and we list the other sort of main characters that we want mm-hmm. and the actors that we want to play those parts. We also have our director of photography in it, Great. who is uh, the DP for Orange is the New Black. Cool. Um, but again, it is a representative of who we've made contact with. That doesn't mean that that's going to be the end project. That they'll totally product. be available and everything. Right, because that all depends that on changes. money and time. But yeah. for right now, these are the people who are on board. Our composer is Michael Bearden, who was uh, Michael Jackson's musical director. Lady Gaga's Lady musical Gaga, director. Lady Gaga, Cher, Beyonce. Yeah, everybody. Everybody. Frank, he goes back to Frank Sinatra. I mean, he's he's just he's just. No, killer. he's not that old. No, but when he was young, he worked with. I think he worked with Frank. No, that's no, too Tony much. No, Tony Bennett. I don't, I don't know. He's been around a long time. He'll he's do not a good that job. Young. He's yeah. young. He's brilliant. Um, <laughs> he did the Oscars. He does. He does the Oscars every year. Cool. But this is a guy that we met on our second, second short film. film. That is wild. And yeah. he was a friend of a friend. And he he composed our second short film. Okay. And he was a friend of a friend, and did he just, was... Sorry, did you ever <laughs> yeah. just repurpose that score for other things? You're just like, this is amazing. <laughs> this is really, really it's good. really, really good. <laughs> and but, he um, wanted to, he, he wanted always to wanted to film. score him film. He That's was cool. doing, you know, musical direction <clears throat> on tour for people, making music, making records, but he wanted to score film, yeah. and he wasn't getting the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So he came to our little apartment one day, he sat there, he's like, all right, I like you guys, I'll do it. It's like, well, we don't have a budget. I don't care about budget. And yeah. he didn't. And he scored it in his home. And he's so cool. And we've been friends ever since. All this time. So when we had this new project, he says, we, I sent him the script. And I was waiting for him to read it, waiting for him to read it. He's like, listen, guys, I don't really need to read it. I'm <laughs> on board. It. Yeah. <laughs> so you just let me know when you need me. It's so cool yeah, because... Awesome. So much of this industry is based on relationships and, you know, that sort of work ethic and yes. supporting each other's projects. Exactly. Yeah. And so the thing that I hear a lot in, in sort of the negative way is that um, people say, well, it's all who you know, it's who you know. And a lot of that is who you know, but it's also who knows you yeah. and who knows your work ethic and who knows your heart and who knows that you're going to show up. So a lot of people came on board not even reading the script. It's just because it was me and Roz, mm. and they know that we're good for our word and that we're going to put our best foot forward. And that is why we still coach 
I, while I still act, why we still teach, because mm-hmm. all of those things feed into this other dream. Yeah. Yes. Because that's how we meet everybody. And yes. that is, that's front and center on yep. your guys' site. It's there. It's mm-hmm. for ready to be accessed. And it's the mm-hmm. organic way that we live in the world, which is of service. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, giving a lot, you know, film shop doesn't pay me, but I show up every week mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like to be of service to help people tell their stories. And I just started mentoring at this um, uh, organization that teaches filmmaking to young teen filmmakers. It's called Real Works cool. based out of Brooklyn. So I have a little mentee that um, I'm helping her with her short film. She's like a 17-year-old high school student, awesome. and she's just spunky and smart, and her script was really actually good. Really? So I was like, this is really good, Lucy. You don't even know. <laughs> um, so just to sort of organically use our what we do and who we are in the world um, has also fed us and moved us forward yeah you have to pass it on you really do mm-hmm. that's cool that's mm-hmm. awesome well um is there anything else that uh we can you know um we'll have uh links and and, and things to show people for hanging uh by a thread but uh is there anything else that people should be looking out for right now that you guys are working on that you can talk about that you're excited about you know what i think if you just follow us on instagram Ira's app and Redwall Pro. Redwall Pro. Yeah. I feel like because there's so many different projects. Like I have a um, a pilot that I'm in called Control Alt Delete. That's an abortion comedy that's coming out. Um, there's so many things. And you know, have two movies coming out. Uh, Miss Virginia with um, what's her name from Orange Is the New Black. Uzo, Uzo Oduba. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and another, I don't remember. Okay. Oh, Lots yeah. Of stuff that going one. on. Yes, that one. Yes. <laughs> that other one. That other one. Good. Um, I'm also <laughs> continuing to write. I have two TV pilots that I've written that one yeah. won a contest last year. Um, uh, the American Black Film Festival sponsored a contest along with Turner. Is that in D.C.? No, no. That, okay. They're out of L.A. Okay, okay. So it was uh, ABFF and Turner. Um, Turner, which has TBS and TNT, mm-hmm. they sponsored a screenwriting uh, contest. Cool. And so my TV pilot called Allergic, based on Allergic to Nuts, my short film. Nice. Um, won best 30-minute original TV pilot last okay. year. That's awesome. So there was a film festival last year in Miami, and so I got flown down, and I got to meet with CAA and TNT and Turner and TBS and um, all kinds of other cool people and Warner and um, everybody in the Turner family was there and HBO was Mm -hmm. there as well. Um, So I had that pilot and I have another pilot that I wrote and I have a new pilot that I'm working on. So, you know, the hustle continues, man. But, you know, it goes into the funnel. Yeah. Yes, it all goes into the funnel. I'm going to remember that. Yes. The funnel. I like that a lot. Yeah. Just just like this kind of metaphysical yeah yeah especially you know as a creative you can just kind of keep going in all different places but it's, it's like you Dak, want to make horror films yeah <laughs> so it's like <laughs> if it doesn't feed at the bottom of that funnel i want a horror film at the end of that so what do i have to do to get make sure that everything that goes into that funnel will lead me to making my horror mm-hmm. short web series tv show feature whatever it is mm-hmm 
make sure it stays goes in that funnel. If it doesn't fit that funnel, don't do it. Say no. It's hard. It is hard. All right, let me tell you the name of the movie. It's called Bad Vegan and the Teleportation Machine. Oh, and that is difficult to remember. Yeah, that yeah. does in not roll fairness. off the tongue. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, it is. It got released on March nineteenth. Great. And, oh, uh, very recently. Yeah. Very cool. I forgot. <laughs> but um, it, yeah, you can click the link below. <laughs> we can we can edit yeah. around. Okay. <laughs> Good. <clears throat> leave it all in. Yeah. They did. Uh, they did not edit. Did you edit your podcast? Yeah, we edited okay, it. Okay, you did it. Edit yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's always... a lot of rambling. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember now. Yes, I know. Yeah. Well, I think we could talk for hours, but uh, it has been fascinating to talk to you guys about getting your start and about what's coming next. And is there anything else that you guys really like? It's, <laughs> Don't ask us again. It's not 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 <laughs> to look forward to, but more like <clears throat> you're both so like ingrained in like mentoring and coaching and things. Is there anything that um, people should know like right off the bat or is there anything that you guys are constantly saying advice? Constantly saying, what do you want? Be specific. You can't just want to be, I just want to work. You can't say that. Mm. You have to know what you want to do and why. Who is your audience? Why do you want to tell this story? Who do you want to affect? Um, You can't just want to work with everybody. So once you have a clear vision of what you want, then it gets clearer as to how we can help you or what the steps are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing I talk a lot about is self-care. Explain, yeah, yeah, elaborate on that. Oh, self-care? Self-care is um, sometimes you're so focused on your goal that, for instance, most recently an actor... Um, was working on a part and he came off and he was just came off stage from a rehearsal and he he was like oh my god the character jumped into my soul and he just started sobbing and he he felt like and the character is kind of evil it's the evil judge and um and I said you have to have a foundation you have to have you know a protection around your soul so that you can play Mm. and um so you can allow yourself to truly play then character has to say some racist evil stuff that you can and in service of the play I'm directing a play right now called Roe versus Wade and it's epic and um it's the first full production of it my friend Sarah Shulman wrote it and is allowing me to direct it so in order for him to direct this play somebody has to play this judge right and so I gave him some exercises to protect himself. Hmm. And um, he just, some mantras and stuff. But if you don't do that, then sometimes actors or artists can use, um, sometimes they use drugs or alcohol to, to make a shift so they can feel different from the character, so they can feel safe or come back from the feelings that they've created, right? And um, you have to find a way to be healthy and to go to the places we need to go to as artists mm-hmm. in a in an honest way. So even though we're somebody has to play the bad guy, right? In order to tell stories, complicated stories, right? For you, you tell horror stories. Somebody has to be a killer, mm-hmm. right? And we have to go to a very dark place to organically, you know, on screen kill somebody. Mm-hmm. So in order for us to come back, we have we need self care. 
Mm-hmm. And even for you to write it, right? You have to access really yeah. evil parts of your mind, which is all of us as human beings are capable of doing anything. That's what Meryl Streep says, that as artists, anything that a human being is capable of doing, we're capable of imagining and experiencing, Hmm. right? And so as our job is to reflect the human experience, so we have to go there. So then, you know, how do you come back? How do you take care of yourself? How do you go there every night? How do you protect yourself from Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. And and that is like you need a ritual. You need self-care. You need to acknowledge what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And like, why are you doing it? Well, maybe you want to scare people to provide an escape for people. Take them away, you know. So like that's purpose, right? Now you have a purpose. And like I'm, you know, this is why I'm doing it. And that sort of clarity of purpose, like almost like purifies it, you know. Mm That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and what I tell writers, mm-hmm. um, because I do a lot of coaching and mm-hmm. a lot of reading of scripts, and and the thing that I've learned that has helped me to, the most is, okay, why am I telling this story? Mm-hmm. Just not, it can't be to win a contest. It can't be even to get a movie made. It has to be from... For the audience. From what do you something, want them to yeah, experience? And, and for, for what do you want to say? What are you saying? in this and it it, and the thing that's the hardest for me and i think other people to deal with is the patience of telling that story Mm. and it takes longer than you think it is we all want to get our stuff out (laughs) and we all want to you know can't skip the work can't skip the work you cannot skip the work (laughs) and what will happen is if you learn to start to tell the story you want to tell you'll get better at telling it faster. Mm. You'll recognize what it is and then say, okay, this is what I'm telling. Mm-hmm. And this is how I'm going to get better at it. And then it becomes a craft. And it's not luck. It is a craft. Mm-hmm. Just like anybody working on a television show, people have to do that in seven days. They got to sit down. They got to write an outline. They got to rewrite the outline. They got to rewrite the script. And then somebody's shooting it. And it's a 10 practice. days. It's like practice. So it's like jump in there, tell your story, and tell it from the point of view of honesty of what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And then you have to do it again, and then again, mm-hmm. and then again, and it never <clears throat> stops. Because that's the thing that I've learned over these years is that I write all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy for me to recognize what's working and what's not working. I still need help. I still need those other eyes. Of course. But then when I get the feedback, I understand what the feedback is and I don't take it personally mm-hmm. because they don't like not like the script because they hate me. Right. It's because they didn't get it. Yeah. And so I need to do a better job of telling the story. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, and I don't cry anymore. <laughs> it's good. You've got your emotional defense. There's no crying in filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is. Much better. There's a lot of crying in filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly... I think when I've finished a film mm-hmm. and I haven't cut it yet, I get I'm like, I've done so much work to get here. Yeah. I'm going to go have a good cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a lot of release um, of energy when you finish something yeah. and it's out of you and you know you're going to hate it because number one, it's out of you. Number two, that can't be what I, do, what right. I did. And it, you know, you're looking at it the first time, it's always awful. <laughs> oh, the shoot. It's just, I uh, mean, there are different stages, but like the shoot, 
what you know, what you write, finally you get to a script that you love, a shooting script, you know, and then you have the actual shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, <laughs> it didn't come out like I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the start of the edit, yeah, it can be pretty You painful. have to find a way to love yeah. it again because you hate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first, immediately. When you first look at the footage. Yeah, it's just terrible. What did I do? But then like, I usually money. fall in love with the actors. Yeah. I usually always, like, there's some things I always like. Like, I, I usually always like the actors. Yeah. And there's a reason why you got into the material yeah. in the first place. Yes. So. You find yeah. that again. You know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I To go back to your point, mm-hmm. I think, and I think I've said this in Film mm-hmm. Shop, I come from like creative writing in college mm-hmm. where you give everybody your story and then you sit down and they all berate you and you shut up. Like yes. you don't say anything. Right. And I think that's very helpful and useful for me because it's kind of like, look, I don't need to defend it. It shouldn't, it, you're not going to be defended. It should speak for itself. Right. Your yes. work should speak it, for itself. You, you're not going to be in the theater with people right. when they're watching a film. So you can't go, no, but you didn't you see didn't this. You didn't get it. So um, yes. to, to me, that's particularly helpful. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really agreeing with the whole sitting around and berating thing. That's a whole film school thing, but <laughs> yeah. fine. That's a, that's kind of like, <laughs> I'm okay with it. A college thing. Yeah. Hit, hit me now. Now when it's in a malleable form yeah. that costs nothing to change. But I think there's a way, and this is what I've also learned, there's a way to give a note that isn't damaging to the artist. Because oh, we are absolutely. all, you know, very fragile. Very sensitive. All of us. And I, you know, I, I meet actors who've been wounded. Writers who've been, been wounded, to. yes. And I call those artistic wounds. Hmm. You know, and um, I don't think that's healthy. Because ultimately, we want more people to tell their stories. And sometimes that can damage people to where they won't. And we need, what do we need? We need more voices. We need more compassion in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you have something else you wanted to add? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> you looked like you wanted to no, say I something. No, I mean, but it's, it's basically along those lines, which is, you know, the, the damage that we can do to each other. And that's one of the reasons why I love Film Shop, because we practice compassionate feedback, mm-hmm. which is uh, sharing and being sure uh, with feedback, you have to understand what it is the person needs. So I don't necessarily believe in the free for all. Just tell me what sucks. Tell me, because mm-hmm. we're all sitting there secretly waiting to hear what people hate. But first, we need to understand what's working. That's and true. First, we need to understand what we're doing right. And first, we need to hear, okay, this is the story I want to tell. Um, is that coming through? And so that we don't lose that in the next draft and then the next incarnation. Because if all we're hearing is this, this didn't work, and this didn't work, and that didn't work, then you may en- end up changing something that does work mm-hmm. and not knowing that it didn't work because there was nobody there to reflect that back to you. So we must practice compassionate feedback. And then there's a way to tell somebody, okay, if this was the message that you wanted to tell, this is what I got. And this is, I don't think that's what's coming across because this is what I got. See how smart he is? (laughs) (laughs) Because also, especially in this day and age where there's lots of triggers. You know, the, the people are triggered by, you know, violence or rape or misogyny or, or somebody killing a dog. Somebody can be triggered by that. And you don't know. Yeah. And so if somebody reacts violently to that, why did you kill a dog? You shouldn't kill a dog. It's like, well, sometimes dogs get killed. Yeah. Sometimes babies get killed. I've told lots of screenwriters, like, you know what, that grandmother in the beginning, I think you need to kill her. Because <laughs> it's just like. What do you got against grandmothers? It grandmother? serves the story. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's gonna serve the story to kill off that character, and here's why: because your intention is to do this, this or that. So you need to get rid of that character because that's gonna launch your story. Mm-hmm. So it's about recognizing what the artist wants to say, and then reflecting back to them what's working first, and then what's not working. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be the standard, and that should be what's taught in film schools. You shouldn't just let a bunch of nineteen-year-olds sit around um, and change each other's stories. Change each other's story. Well, I think you should do this, and yeah. I think you should write. And if I had been writing, I don't give two flying figs what you wanted to write. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. Listen to what I'm trying to do, and if you don't understand it, then let me talk until I do. So sometimes silence isn't always the way. Sometimes it's important to just, I just listen, right? What is this writer trying to say? Talk Mm -hmm. to me. Tell me your story. Tell me the story you wanted to to tell. And if I hear that first, then I know how to approach them. I know what their experience is. I know what uh, their damage is. Mm -hmm. I know what's really affecting them. I know what their hurt is because there's always usually a hurt behind there somewhere. Mm. Same version of what I say to actors. Yes. Because when I'm saying, what do you want? Yes. You're saying, what story do you want to tell? Yes. And we, because we coach here, mm-hmm. um, we can hear each other. We steal from each we other. We steal from each other. <laughs> <laughs> I love so that. we just kind of twist it to, you know, whoever we're working with. Mm-hmm. So I've heard her say, and she'll, She'll put when she's working with an actor. Okay, what do you tell me? Tell me the big picture. Uh-huh. Where, where do you see yourself? Well, I really want to work. She said, "Okay, that's not gonna work. I want to work. Everybody wants to work." And the same thing with um, somebody telling a story. It's like, well, it's about well, um, this is a story about love. It's like we all want to be in love. That's not a story. So, uh, what is the story you're telling? Is it about hurt? Is it about growth? Is Mm -hmm. it about what is it about? And sometimes it takes a minute to drill down Mm -hmm. to find out what is the thing that you're trying to say. And now we can make sure sure that those things come out through your characters Mm -hmm. and through the story and through your plot. And the same thing with her, with actors. I know, because remember I overheard you... Um, teaching about conflict in the writing a scene yes and I had only overheard him and like I was trying to teach conflict and like I overheard him through the door and I was trying to teach it I was like okay what you need to do is identify the conflict in your audition scene right you want to increase that that will increase the comedy Mm -hmm. and I was like I did not know what I was talking about I was like you are tripping (laughs) Roz But it was, but I did learn that, and it got, and it was really true. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you can really see what was the writer going for, what was the writer's intent yes. in in this, you know, especially when you're dealing with film and television scripts, um, that's so strong. And I learned yeah. that from there's some sort of outlet and access you can gain through even just like a three pages of size, three yeah. pages of size. Absolutely. And that's what, you know, writers need to know about actors is like once you finish that, the actors are going to come up with their own stuff mm-hmm. if you haven't been specific. Yeah. Yes. Because you go, why is this scene in the movie? Why is this what like what how is this scene moving the plot forward? Mm-hmm. And even if we only have this scene, we still have to figure that out. And so what is this revealing about the main character? What is this revealing about how, what does the audience need to know to move the story forward? And how can we help that happen? So if you haven't been specific as a writer, then you're going to leave it to other people to make it up. 
So it's going to be the actors, it's going to be the director who's going to just, you know, go completely off the rail and then you're going to be at a screening going, that's not my story, that's not my story. Well, if you weren't specific on the page, then... I mean, we saw a movie last night. Last night we went to a screening where and where the actors said they literally, the night before, rewrote every scene. Every scene, every night. So when the movie had no through line, you know, although the... Meanders the, a bit. Yes, and yes. even though the characters were enjoyable and the performances of the actors were enjoyable, you had none of those reflections, you know? Mm-hmm. None of those themes that you love that come back, you know? And I know that any so it writer, didn't have any depth. Yeah, and and mm. I know that if the writer was sitting in the audience, they would have been horrified because half the movie was ad libbed because they had to make it up the night before. That's wild. And you don't want that as a writer. You have a story to tell, and you want it told well, so you have to write it. And right. sometimes that means spending a little bit more time getting it on the page and being really specific so that when it's passed off and it's out of your hands because it's going to be at some point you got to learn to let it go and let and really good material will be taken to another level Mm -hmm. not changed completely so and i really believe in because i come from the theater it's like our job is to take the words that are on the page and make them live and not change them um you know when when you get a director, it's like, oh, say whatever you want. Is a problem in the script. Well, thank you guys again for for speaking to me for so long. We we ran out the card. <laughs> <laughs> um, and really, really amazing advice. Um, it was a pleasure to t- to speak. To it's you. great. It's great having you here in our home, office, life, work, love space. <laughs> thank you, Zach. Mostly and sorry we kept you so long. <laughs> no, I love it. I love running out the car. Okay, so. Cool. Thank Yay. you, guys. All right, thanks. Sorry to your wife. <laughs> hey, guys, just wanted to remind you that not only can you find the Full Frame Podcast on HMD's website, www.hmdfilms.com, but you can find us on Facebook, and most importantly, you can find us on iTunes, where we would really like if you could leave a review and subscribe. Thanks. Have a great week. Thank you.